Why does Fall Guys have a battle pass? You wanna escape? You want a whimsical adventure? You wanna fall back on gaming as a comfort crutch? Fuck you, grind for cat ears. This is modern gaming. Don't be fooled by those who claim it's never been a better time to be a gamer. Modern gaming is the dick that'll say anything it can to fuck you. Modern gaming is the printer ink that deactivates itself if you don't have enough V-Bucks. Modern gaming is the gun I want to use to kill- The era of the complete, cozy, satisfying weekend rental is over. Games are bigger than ever, longer than ever, more broken than ever, and worst of all, less fun than ever. Don't bother getting your friends together to play the quirky multiplayer minigames from ATV Offroad Fury 2. They're fucking done. The guys at the top are done. They figured it out. Video games are done! Recently, my friends and I got together to play some old fun games facilitated by the Master Chief Collection, a collection of all the Halo games before Halo 5. Exactly zero people knew how invites worked, data installs for specific games worked, or how any of the cursed and wretched UIs worked. File shares were broken, clients were crashing, but we all fucking worked through it until we were finally able to experience the bliss that is Duck Hunt and Jenga on Halo 3. But that's what modern gaming is now. A morsel of fun, wrapped in the most cynical pudding of broken code and 500 million dollar budgets to ever exist. Alright, listen. This is gonna be an unorganized video and, uh, we're going to jump from topic to topic. There's literally zero way to organize my disdain and cynicism for this industry that currently stands, so let's just pretend that this is a list video. What's the list video called? Top 18 reasons modern gaming has made my dick stop working. Number one, Halo Infinite and Cyberpunk 2077 and No Man's Sky and Madden NFL and Battlefield and Star Citizen. AAA games hate you. They hate the notion that they'd have to actually entertain you, so instead they just wish upon a star and promise. It'll all come together someday. Every Madden game that's released is trashed by the pros and littered with bugs. Literally every ambitious video game launches in the state that No Man's Sky did. Quote unquote, everything simulators like Star Citizen that promised the world rob you blind and fuck your dog. Cyberpunk 2077 had the audacity to have a great art style and amazing soundtrack while also enacting Poland's wish for its very own divine showcase for overhyped technical buffoonery. And Halo Infinite has the otherworldly nerve to make a roadmap announcing the beta for match XP as a fucking feature. Needless to say, very few developers have the ability to rein it in and have a pep talk good enough to stop smoking meth in the fucking break room long enough to turn their games around. Hello Games is the shining example everyone loves to bring up with how they turn No Man's Sky around from a broken, unplayable mass of shit to something that people pretend is fun to play. A pure sandbox without fluid feel still sounds like a bad time to me, but hey, some journalists changed their ratings, so we all better go on Twitter and tell the masses the consensus has changed. <laughs> <laughs> Why even bother releasing the game in 14 months when we can release it in 15 minutes? Todd Howard, I haven't even finished the wall textures in the first level. 14 minutes and 56 seconds! Hyping any video game up these days just leaves you with the same feeling you get when a beautiful girl doesn't appreciate your hard-earned 100% save file in Sonic Adventure 2. Disappointment. My Chow can run circles around you, Francine. They're champion fighters and can fly high so they can reach the highest of all the heavens, Francine. WHY DON'T YOU LOVE ME, FRANCINE- Number two, you keep buying it. These games demonstrate the bare minimum for what could be considered software and the market has spoken. We'll be angry, but 
God damn it, take my money. Even though nobody plays these games after launch, they line up to buy it. It makes my fucking jaw drop. The amount of raw, unfiltered, hardened, diamondized, reinforced, ionized copium surrounding the rocky launch of AAA games with half a billion dollar budgets is too much. You all need to snap out of it and do something more worth your time and money, like getting a payday loan. Everyone fucking knows you're gonna spend it on FIFA's ultimate team anyway, you stupid fucking idiot. Number three, matchmaking is dumb now. In 2007, Bungie dropped the angelic sex toy that was Halo 3. Kept you coming back for more and the orgasms only got better. You got to play the game with your friends, finding matches was transparent, the UX was fat and thick, those pre and post game lobby fights, the service records, and even the limited events before the live service battle passes of modern day. Rock hard, flaccid, titanium, tinfoil, crunchy peanut butter. Store brand expired smooth brain peanut butter. What once was a valuable tool for matching players into fun and engaging matches morphed into the half-working algorithm that ranks the percentage chance you'd fuck someone on OkCupid.com. Skill-based matchmaking, or similar backpack marmalade, takes your stats and matches it with some other basement dweller with stats agonizingly similar so that you can have a neat, precise, bleak, Gray infographic 50% win rate. No more social playlists, just sweat and unemployment. If you're not smoking enough crack to keep up with these little shits that just got picked up from detention, then get ready for the extremely clever shit talking in the DMs. So, yeah, you're gay. What happened to fun? What happened to progression? Derp, how many challenges do I have to complete today to unlock male fertility? Progression used to mean steady progress no matter what. XP, coming at you, baby. Nice job in that last match. You did really well and you're improving. Good job. Battle passes ruined matchmaking. Because you're pressured into the natural need to progress, no longer are you drunkenly making bets with your friends trying to no-scope noobs upside down on the couch with the blood rushing to your head. You've effectively evolved into the kid's washed-up Adderall dealer sweating hard and long enough to get 35 killstreaks to unlock the weed B90. Matchmaking isn't fun, it's not transparent, and you can't even see how many players are online anymore. Unless you read too closely at dev blogs talking about fucking playlist health, or frown long enough until you're magically looking at steamcharts.com. And it fills me with an endless soulless void wishing for my own death. And that's if you can even bear how long it takes to install the fucking game you want to play. Speaking of... Number four, it takes the latter half of your adolescent years for Call of Duty to install. Hey, what's up, man? Yeah, you're taking down the internet for the whole fucking apartment complex. C could you please get off? I mean, Jesus Christ. Listen, man, I'm just saying it's not that good. Number five, remasters of remasters of re Half my fucking shelf is remasters. You know, God fucking forbid the industry come up with a new idea. Reboot this, reboot that, reboot my foot up my own ass and charge me 70 bucks. The Last of Us was originally released to critical acclaim, and then re-released one year later to critical acclaim, and then re-released again in 2022 with a shiny new title, and the critics finally shat on it. Just kidding, it released to critical acclaim. Don't get me wrong, I shotgun hot cold cans of member berries just as much as the next aging depressed Tumblr fan, but we all roll over like a happy fucking puppy when we learn publishers want to charge us again for the same fucking game. There's never been one single re-release with bad reception, except for all of these titles. And even then, they become the definitive way to play those games. And in some cases, ruining the original artistry of the work itself. It's beyond cynical, but honestly kind of funny that 343 slapped what was basically a 
fan mod texture pack on one of the most beloved video games of all time and boxed it up with its own artwork that looks like it was copied from some 240p Xbox 720 console concept design YouTube video and patted themselves on the back and said, holy shit, we are so fucking awesome that we're gonna focus on every single wrong key area possible and shit all over the goodwill of the most patient fan base in existence in perpetuity. Games like the Master Chief Collection and ironically, the new Last of Us Part 1 PC port should have been NBA Street Volume 2 style slam dunks where all they had to do was not screw it up. It took Master Chief Collection almost five years to be considered playable, and I'm sure The Last of Us Part 1 will go the route of the GTA trilogy, where marketing will claim the game is fixed with a huge patch even though it wasn't, and promptly abandoned since there's no battle pass! Now, I want to make something very clear. I want to play these old games. I want to be able to prove that I own a copy of a game from another generation and be able to play it. No questions asked. That's just a little tight butthole called backwards compatibility! What would simplify this mess? Emulate the game instead of PORTING IT! Number 6. Why can't PlayStation and Nintendo realize their back catalog with quality emulation? The Nintendo Entertainment System came out in 1983 and has about 720 games. The Super Nintendo Entertainment System came out in 1990 and has about 1,750 games. The Sony PlayStation came out in 1995 and has about 3,060 games. The Nintendo 64 came out in 1996 and has about 390 games. One of them being Ocarina of Time, which Dylan won't shut the fuck up about in his mid at best. The PlayStation 2 came out in the sizzling year 2000 and has a whopping 4,300 79 games. The Nintendo GameCube came out in 2001 and has about 652 games. In total, that's roughly 10,900 games. How many of these games can you still play today? One. I'm pretty sure Crash Bandicoot 2 works pretty good with an emulator. Sony and Nintendo both called me on the phone and said, SHUT THE FUCK <laughs> UP YOU IDIOT! <laughs> God, you're stupid! You don't even deserve to see color, you're so fucking stupid! The whole world should be in black and white! Their words, not mine. The fact that Sony and Nintendo have so many IPs wasting away will never make sense to me. For the jaded audience like me, all I want is access to the games during the era you used to be cutting edge and exciting. Compared to today, everything is soft, rounded, safe, and monetized. Back in the day, FMVs were weird and experimental, gameplay never had a single rule as to how it needed to be controlled, and creativity was at an all-time high. Now today's bastions of creativity live on the coked-out boards of 4chan, or over-realized, over-inflated, overly specific simulators launched on Kickstarter, such as eyebrow piercing and butthole enema simulator. Number 7. All PlayStation games are C-tier AMC dramas. <laughs> You got games like God of War or Horizon Forbidden West sprinkled next to these double-A roguelikes such as Returnal. That's Sony's entire modern library. Here's my point. A game doesn't have to be a cinematic masterpiece. There's other ways to keep a player engaged, but it can't be fun, according to this guy, this guy, and this guy. Sony games are cynically overproduced TV shows. And to illustrate that, I'll introduce you to Jeremy. Jeremy has seen some Marvel movies when he was a kid, won't shut up about Breaking Bad, and unironically watched some shows on the CW. Jeremy is going to play God of War Ragnarok and Horizon Forbidden West five times each because everyone on Reddit is discussing the lore of all the moments he was too bored to focus on. 
Jeremy also feels the obligation to join constructive Reddit threads about the merits of the $100 million video game. Jeremy also pretends to have always loved Spider-Man before buying the PS4 game. Jeremy has nothing to do with himself because he's alone and undriven. Jeremy has depression. Jeremy is going to rewatch Breaking Bad a few more times and play God of War again. Jeremy has to move some installs off his secondary drive to the internal drive and that's probably going to take an hour. Jeremy figures he'll try a new video game like Pizza Tower, but it's unfamiliar to him. Jeremy can't sleep at night. Jeremy is going to play Horizon Forbidden West. Jeremy overeats. Jeremy got rejected by the girl at work. Jeremy is going to join a forum for Sony game fan fiction. Jeremy is insecure and feels like he's learned nothing in life. Jeremy is going to binge watch Better Call Saul. Jeremy is going to play The Last of Us Part 2. Jeremy is surprisingly still alive. Number 8. New original IPs are literally just Biomutant 5.5 out of 10. Start a game company and make a new IP. Know what you're gonna make? Biomutant. It's a halfway semi-decent creative idea that's too ambitious to fully flesh out in a satisfiable manner for any player and everyone walks away full of empty calories and says, eh. You can have pretty graphics, you can have smooth gameplay, but the second you prioritize those two things over an immersive and creative gameplay loop, your EA games challenge everything. This concept isn't new either. Crucify my dick, but Fable is a perfect example of this. The original Fable trilogy is exactly indicative of this phenomenon I'm talking about. Engaging visuals, smooth enough gameplay, and a continuing complicated case of bulimia. Those games had zero narrative worth paying attention to, zero gameplay addicting enough to engage with the world propped up with paint and plywood, and worst of all, Peter Molyneux marketed it! Connecting people together and allowing them to tap on this massive cube. And I said, and I'm known for these things, I said there's something amazing in the side. Number nine, Ubisoft. Everyone knows Ubisoft games are checklists. They're the embodiment of fetch quests and guilt through progress bar. Ubisoft ruined gaming! They sucked all the fun out, level-gated everything, calling it a fucking RPG, and turned gaming from something exciting, challenging, and inspirational into something so rounded, basic, and comfortable that it wouldn't be surprising if the next Assassin's Creed game came with a $5 McDonald's coupon. Hmm. Ubisoft Plus is an extremely appropriate move for the company, acting as yet another layer of obligation for these depressed and unfulfilled cubicle water bags with wives who hate them to distract themselves from the fact that the child they had didn't fix their broken spirit. Bust out the wiki and walk through, John. It's time to 100% the game before your wife burns your dinner. Here's a list of things you can buy with that money instead. An artisanal sandwich. 15 things at the dollar store. A second phone line to hide the fact that you're cheating on your wife for BURNING YOUR FUCKING DINNER! Get access to all the upcoming Ubisoft games on day one, including their back catalog. $14.99 a month. Okay, let's think about what kind of value that money adds to your life. Every service has to have a value add, right? Okay, what's the last great video game you played? Truly great. I'm willing to bet that whatever game it was cracked 90 on Metacritic. How many games do you think Ubisoft released that cracked 90 on Metacritic in the last 10 years? Go ahead. I'll give you some time to guess. I'll give you a hint. It's one syllable. All right, the answer is actually nine games. So if we divide that by one every year, we get almost a great game every year. 
Oh, just kidding. The answer is actually three. So you're paying $15 a month and you don't even get a coin flips chance to play a great game that year? Wow. Oh, just kidding. I lied. The answer is one. One fucking game. And it was almost exactly 10 years ago. Rayman Legends. Great game. Love this game. More people should have played it. Maybe I should subscribe to Ubisoft. Yelling aside, that's basically zero great games a decade. In case you're a high school dropout, subscribe to Ubisoft Plus playing number 10. Far Cry a billion! Far Cry 6 is the equivalent of those web apps that show your percentage progression through their curated onboarding tutorials, you know? And once you're done... Fuck it, I don't know, here's some shit that's been around since Just Cause 2. Everyone on Reddit and Google Plus and Vote knows that Ubisoft released Far Cry 3 and said, Oh! Fuck yeah! And then kept releasing the exact same game for over 10 years. Here's what you get in Far Cry 3. Constant shitty random encounters, brain-dead AI, an incomprehensible dog shit mess of a story, the bottom tier worst crafting mechanics known to game designers, horrible driving, horrible quests, a cop-out sandbox that everyone pretends is super engaging to mess around with because three guys recorded a few quote-unquote FUNNY GIFs on Reddit, and a sincere lack of anyone that gave a single shit about getting it to market. Far Cry is a money printer. A money printer that requires a lighting update once every four to five years. Blood Dragon might have been fun, but I stopped caring while I was writing this sentence. Number 11, Valve, where the fuck are you? Or, you know, where, where are you? Valve is legendary! They've released some of the most influential and critically acclaimed games ever made and basically lowered the barrier of entry for PC gaming as a whole. Steam changed PC gaming. It unified all their products, mods, and their community. They pumped that storefront out, released a bunch of hats, created entire economies, and became the first program any PC gamer installs when their shiny new parts, pre-built tower, and gaming laptop arrived in the mail. A comfy portal rivaling that of the Blade era of the Xbox 360 dashboard. Oh yeah. Yeah. Half-Life released in Holiday 1998 after forming just two years prior by future Chungaloid Gabe Newell and Mike Harrington. It used a tantalizing cocktail of in-house code and the engines for both Quake 1 and Quake 2. It blew gamers' minds and gave them all orgasms. It's still a joy to play to this day because of how immersive it actually is, and holds up very well in general presentation. With passion, drive, and a lack of sleep all before everyone cracked down on crunch culture, originating from people who actually gave a shit about the games they developed like Bungie creating Halo, Valve created a masterpiece that holds up today. A few ports even released to the Dreamcast and PS2 as well. This is where Valve started, and games like this from new studios just don't happen anymore. What was the last good brand new IP from a freshly formed studio? Experiment 101 and Biomutant? Do we have to go over that point again? Biomutant 5.5 out of 10. After Half-Life, Valve just put out bangers. Expansions, commercial packages of legendary fan-made mods, a new physics engine that's totally not a big deal, didn't fucking change the rules of the industry or anything, a 10 out of 10 sequel that's sadly left without its own 10 out of 10 sequel, but the fanfic community gets a solid C+, a puzzle game with a cute cube that has probably one of the most sleeper songs during the credit scene that I'm pretty sure no one except me has heard of. Trust me, you wouldn't be into it. This was a triumph. The Hat Economy game, the world's best zombie horde game, second only to Back for Blood. Back, back for Blood. <laughs> really honestly is the best horde video game. What do you mean? Well, I mean, clear. it's got better graphics, it's got, like, you can sp it has, like, modern technologies. Yeah, I'm gonna bomb this apartment. 
I'm gonna. I can't tell if you're being serious or not. No, Back for Blood is better than Left for Dead. <laughs> you're full shitting. Shut the fuck. Up. <laughs> I can't. No, the cards they're like the visually fuck. appealing. Shut the, shut the fuck. No, Back for Blood is better than Left for Dead. League of Legends, but better than League of Legends, as informed by people I talked to who sometimes played League of Legends back in 2014. And a bunch of other cool, awesome shit that's industry-leading, like Half-Life Alex. How the... wait, are you serious? A bunch of this shit is VR tech demos. How the fuck was there a six-year gap between this and ha... Are you serious? Valve, where the fuck are you? Sure, you've got the Steam Deck and you fumbled drunkenly back when you released the Steam Machines, but no other game developer has such a solid and consistent community excitedly modding your games, making memes, or whatever, except for maybe Bethesda, but they just ended up yelling at the Fallout engine until it agreed to try to be a live service. If Valve made an RPG, any at all, and put it on Source, it'd smack everyone in the balls. Get those fucking puzzle dudes to create new concepts for exciting new and engaging mechanics. Valve is the closest thing we have to some kind of open source game developer. If they put out anything at all, maybe the conversation would shift away from companies like Ubisoft or Activision or number 12, EA squandered EA Sports. EA sells sports games. If it's got a turf, or a court, or a field, EA's got a game for it. Most of these games are released yearly with game-breaking bugs, broken cloud integrations that completely wipe multiplayer season progress, and the battle pass to end all battle passes, Ultimate Team. It's a loot box game mode. What's a loot box? A loot box is a slot machine. That's it. You pay money, you play the slots. Every video game actually had them for about three years until some people bitched about CSGO and Star Wars Battlefront 2. It's a racket to take advantage of the potential gambling addicts in the previously untapped market of literal fucking children. You put money in, you get athletes with different ratings. Make your own team with those athletes? I don't know. Call it an ultimate team. You pay lots of money, get dispensed mostly shit until you finally get a diamond, and still get stomped, stacking your team against people online because no amount of stats is gonna hide the fact that the only word in your vocabulary is bruh. Before all of this ultimate team loot box chicanery, there existed experimentation, excitement, and fun under an actual EA label. And that label was EA Sports. Big. NFL Street, SSX, NBA Street, FIFA Street. These games really made you feel like you were Batman- Er, These games totally captured the spirit of extreme sports at the time. The X Games were everywhere, and Doritos were going apeshit with all their flavors, so EA put out a snowboarding game where you can flip your character in every direction, jump off painted metal ramps, and unrealistically grind on a chain-link fence. SSX was very well-reviewed, so they capitalized on that with a little remix, but let's just go ahead and call it a sequel. SSX Tricky. This game was bonk. There was no limit to what could be described as a trick. Hands, feet, and law-defying physics were everywhere, all while the game blasts run DMCs. It's tricky. The insanity doesn't end. There's a DJ that's scratching records and announcing your tricks. You're doing the worm or turning into a helicopter. And this game was fucking hard. AI is aggressive and fast. Learn those shortcuts, because you're gonna need them. Also, be prepared to restart the motherfucking trick events until you actually land that triple rodeo uber trick while nabbing the goddamn times five multi Multiplier. SSX3 is objectively better though. Seamless snowboarding mountaineering from peak 3 to peak 1 with DJ Atomica was dope as fuck. NFL Street was the other game I played a lot as a kid. I loved football and NFL Street loved me. It was a fast-paced and wonderfully exaggeratingly animated version of the sport and it was easy to pick up and play. The game was unfairly challenging towards the end of the career mode since it relies so heavily on in-game stats, but that just made it more fun to fully max out a character in the way you intended. The outfits are a complete joke, but exaggeration was key here. Your characters jump a million goddamn feet in the air to catch a ball. Every movement is definitely big. Play this game with your friends and every play is going to be a screaming match. 
Games need to be as intense as this these days, and they just aren't. And as far as I'm concerned, NBA Street holds the crown of being the only sports game in the world to make chain counters fun. It's basketball, but with all these little moves that consume turbo and add to a meter called the Game Breaker. Score a bunch of moves back to back before making a sick dunk? Your opponent is going to shit a brick, cause they are fucked. The Game Breaker makes you OP as hell for one play, and can take points away from your opponent while you score some. Buffoonery that does not exist in modern gaming. Scoring points has never been as fun as in these EA Sports big games. The overall presentation and feel of these games is still downright exhilarating. While they are not in contention for being the best competitive games in the world, you could argue that their nature of being easy to pick up and relatively easy to master was what sold the entire experience. Speaking of which, number 13, not enough easy to pick up, easy to master games. Thanks to the fact that every game these days is connected to the fucking internet, tryhards are always finding new and innovative ways to measure their dicks. Every game is competitive, which means if you want to master a game, good luck mastering that game against the millions of players trying to master the game. The skill distribution is literally a bell curve, so if you want to be really good, chances are you NEVER WILL BE. But if you go back in time to play something like SSX3, you never had that constant element of the skill ceiling changing on you. The AI or game was hard coded, and you could breach their ability definitively. I would 100% put money on the fact that gamers today are way more insecure about their gamer abilities than they were 20 years ago. Gone, I say, gone are the days of trying to impress other awkward people by proclaiming you're a le-epic gamer. Now everyone just plays Fortnite on their phones while watching GTA 5 roleplay streams in the background. Get up, Joshua. Dinner was ready 40 minutes ago. Also, your dad found out about your progress report, so start crying! Hydro Thunder Hurricane, Crash Team Racing, all those Nintendo platformers, Spyro the Dragon, Halo campaigns, rhythm games like Guitar Hero and Rock Band. Spend enough time in these games and you almost certainly would become very good. You might not top the leaderboards on speedrun.com, but you almost always reached a sense of nirvana playing a game efficiently with great mechanics in a trance-like state. Those tricks and SSX that you land that just net you the three question marks? Man, that's a good feeling. Do you get the same feeling playing Modern Warfare 2 Search and Destroy? No! Who cares if you're slightly better than a 7th grader? Indie games may scratch this itch, but I got a bone to pick with them. Number 14. Every indie game is a color-blocked, low-poly, roguelike. Too many indie games are roguelites and have a pastel color block aesthetic and are low-poly solely for the sake of nostalgia. That's it, that's the point. Number 15. All games are still made for PS2. I don't have a lot to say about this category, but console generations are too long. The one that felt the longest was the gap between the Xbox 360 and the PS3 jumping to the Xbox One and PS4. Truth be told, gaming still felt pretty shitty to play on console during that period. That was the best era to be a PC gamer, so you could brag to your friends that you have things like a high refresh rate monitor and a liquid CPU cooler that you won't maintain at all. Gaming on consoles got a huge quality of life improvement with this latest generation of series consoles and the PS5, but most games are still developed with the previous generation in mind. Game makers are constantly sacrificing cutting edge technology for people stuck in the past, and granted, it may be a difficult situation to get out of, but I don't care. Innovation is important, damn it. Number 16, digital sales are complete. Bullshit! Digital sales ruined physical sales. Most of the time when you buy a console game, there's nothing on that disc other than a license and the uncaring Blu-ray letters staring back at your worthless fat face. Buy a game digitally. Great! You'll get to play it forever, right? Oh, wait... Oh... 
To keep this point short, you should be able to buy a license for something and use it indefinitely. Relying on cloud servers to stay online forever for me to download the game at my will 20 years from now is obviously retarded because one day the servers will be gone, so that's why I opt to buy the physical games. So imagine my frustration when these motherfuckers just put key codes in the box and call it a day. Nailed it. My Xbox discs will be worthless one day since all they're good for is a digital license or maybe a broken pre-pre-alpha version of Cyberpunk 2077 burned them or some shit like that. Number 17. Everything is a Discord bot. Fuck Discord. The UI sucks. The notifications are fucking annoying. Every server has like a billion asinine rules. Everyone on there is terminally online and doesn't know what the concept of having a life or grass is. And every server has that one channel where all it does is spew out bot-generated garbage that exactly 0% of people care about, but one moderator enabled the bot because they thought it would be cool. Get off Discord. Let's all go back to Skype. And number 18. Thanks to the fucking internet, gaming is now a job. You need to keep up on multiplayer meta, balance changes, game sales, milsim discord clans, DLC, what games are functional and which are completely broken and which platform that's applicable to, grinding battle passes, moving games around your drives because these companies turned you into your own personal fucking librarian for their uncompressed audio files, and fan-made wiki instructions on how to play these obtuse janky games made in Unity with poorly made or zero tutorials. Gaming is not fun. It's an obligation. It's maintaining broken relationships with people on Discord who have BPD, so you have someone to play chivalry with once every two months. It's grinding out a battle pass because developers paywall satisfying multiplayer progression. It's staring at your own library for 30 minutes, unable to decide what to play next, installing, uninstalling, and moving games from drive to drive. It's a transparent memory of something that was exciting. It's cynical. It's the opposite of fun. It's over.